In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the others have never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music. This season, we've been doing things a little bit differently. We've been bringing in friends of ours as guest geeks to fill us in on the pop culture that we have both managed to miss. Today, we're catching up on our 90s thrillers, in this case, The Net. It's a cyber thriller about the dangers of the internet from 1995, before most of us were too concerned with cybersecurity. Uh, And it's got a very 90s cast, including Sandra Bullock, Jeremy Northam, and Dennis Miller. Speak for yourself, I was very concerned about cybersecurity when I was five, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) neither of us knows anything about this movie, uh, so we're going to need a guide. And to that end, we are very happy to welcome Emily Curitan to the podcast. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. I'm so happy to be here. It's this so is going to have be you, so Emily. confusing. This is going to be such a mess. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so we're going to um, go watch the movie in a second. But before we do that, um, can do you just tell us a little bit about how you got into this movie? Like, why why are you into the net? Wow. I feel like this is sort of a culminating moment in my adult life that I'm being introduced as an expert in the net. Um, 1995, I was 10 years old. My parents had satellite TV. And for some reason, this movie must have been on heavy rotation so that is why i've seen it a lot in addition to the fact that it's awesome brief plot synopsis you have a very um a woman who like in so many 90s movies is actually outrageously attractive and beautiful playing uh, a homely geeky lonely woman because they put some glasses on her that is like uh, specifically something sandra bullock i feel like does a lot yeah so she decides that she's gonna Um, get away from her own heartbreak and take a vacation. And at this point, uh, laptops are a very new idea. She's got a computer. She travels with it. She meets a dark, tall, romantic stranger on her vacation. And pretty much the rest is all hell breaking loose in a wonderfully mid-90s way. (laughs) All right. I'm excited uh, about this. Obviously not seen the net, but I have seen Hackers. I saw that maybe a year or two ago for the first time. So I'm actually really excited for this. I, I kind of, I love the, and also like Tron and movies like that. Like I, I love it when movies that are made by people who don't really understand technology are about technology. So I'm I'm really, um, I'm excited about this one. I'm psyched about the fact that it's called the net because I feel like that's something that everyone thought we were going to call the internet back in 1995 and we definitely <laughs> don't call it that yeah like yeah it's been surfing the net bruh yeah just surfing and there is something a little bit ominous about you know the net it's something that can catch you like if you're falling but also if you're just trying to get away for the weekend and then you meet a man who's not what he seems it could also be called the web though right like the spider web yeah either i never thought about the fact that the internet has very ominous and somewhat threatening (laughs) names that's you're gonna see soon it was foreshadowed from the very beginning 
Well, uh, so we're going to go watch this. Um, there are lots of places where you can do that. It's actually free if you have Crackle, although that does include ads. Um, and then you yep. can also rent it for either two ninety nine or three ninety nine on all the usual places, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, probably other places as well. I don't know. Maybe it's still in heavy rotation on if you have satellite TV as well. I don't have satellite, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems like one of these movies. It's probably on TV if you just check. You know, you can probably find it somewhere. <laughs> it's especially timely now with um, all of these concerns about identity theft and uh, the Equifax hack, and even uh, here locally, people skimming credit card numbers uh, off of your gas pump. All of this that all of a sudden we actually have to think about. Whoever made the net was thinking about it way back in 1995. Yeah, get that person an award. All right. So off, uh, off, off to watch this movie, and uh, we'll be back after a short break. To talk about spoilers. back we just watched the 1995 movie the net uh which i'm sure eric and i both have have thoughts about uh but before we get to those um emily uh if you could just tell us like what do you love so much about the net or you can just pick one thing just like what's your favorite thing about it that feels a little bit like a violence on my soul at this point because my introduction really didn't do this movie justice like it stood up very well. Um, Sandra Bullock actually doesn't wear glasses, uh, and she's a hottie the whole time. My favorite <laughs> part is probably when the movie pivots and it goes from, like, you're just like, how many more horrible things are going to happen to this woman? And then she goes to work her magic and get her revenge. And uh, some of the cinematography... And the way you get all these close-ups of people's mouths and feet and everything else. It's like, <laughs> I'm overwhelmed right now by the fact that it wasn't actually... I thought it was going to be kind of bad and that we would laugh at it. But I'm, I'm going to stand by the net, like, to the end. Yeah. You were expecting this would be a, a so bad it's good sort of experience. But you wound up finding it to be so good it was good. Like, you, you, you wound up uh, enjoying it more on this viewing is what I'm understanding, right? Yeah, and I liked watching it with Emily because oftentimes I don't enjoy it when people talk during movies, but when it's a movie that I've seen a lot, I was totally (laughs) cool with it and actually having to restrain myself, for instance, when she's in Mexico and this whole thing is kind of like building up steam and you're like, what the heck is happening? Why is it happening? And she meets this dreamboat who orders the same drink as her and is her perfect man and emily's like yeah like i would get on a boat with a strange man in mexico and i'm like really you wouldn't like you wouldn't at that point and so her kind of like reflexes in that situation it's it's really disappointing when she drives in the the getaway boat into a rock like after (laughs) after like such an epic um quick thinking uh self-preservation like just a display of quick wits and, uh, and you know, violence aver- averting behavior to, like, just drive your inflatable boat into a rock and then wake up in a, in a hospital in Mexico with a doctor smoking a cigarette over you. 
Um, <laughs> in some ways, it's perfect. I like that the movie skips over these big parts where you just like someone who's seen it a lot. I was I was like, wait a minute, how she get in that hospital? Or like she's in L.A. and all of a sudden she's in San Francisco, just like getting out of a truck. Obviously, she hitchhiked there, like in the same clothes with a police manhunt out for her. And they just they're like, you know what? We don't have time for that. This movie's already two hundred two hours and fifteen minutes long. California is actually a very small state. It takes like 15 (laughs) minutes to drive one into the other. Yeah, there are no issues with traffic or driving in California at Mm -hmm. all, right? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. So overall, though, I would give it, um, you know, six out of five. I'm I'm, I'm into it. I I don't think we've ever done numerical ratings on this show, but I'm I'm okay with that being our first. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with it. Um, No, we obviously, you know, we we enjoyed our collective watching experience over on, on this end of the podcast. Um, I'm sorry for talking during the movie. I would like to say that I'm not usually someone who talks during movies, but like, I don't know. I feel like if I did a whole bunch of, of my friends who have watched movies with me would be like, wow, you're lying on your podcast. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, it was enjoyable. You were very quick. Every person that died, you were like, that person's going to die. And (laughs) Dennis Miller going to die. And lo and behold, sorry, spoiler alert. Ex-post oh no, we're already in spoilers out. by this point. We've oh. already warned people this is spoiler discussion. Dennis Miller uh, dies a horrible death. Yeah, it's not yeah. By the end of this movie, there's like two characters left. They they just kill everyone. <laughs> like yeah. it's just down to her and her mom at the end, and like everyone else is either dead or evil, like irrelevant, or or like I mean, you have like the the evil software guy who we see in all the tv clips and never actually meet or never actually get any real explanation of why he did all this other than possibly selling just, more antivirus he's ne- software he's nefarious like, that's his but, whole but, thing but his 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 evil is like hilariously badly defined like i i i found this movie to be incredibly charming in, in a like lot of sauron ways. he's like sauron poorly defined evil well okay Sa- sauron just wants to rule the world or whatever he he he's like a it's like a military domination thing it is but really like try to explain sauron's evil unlike it's not it's 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 not like evil that has some kind of doctrine like this guy he just seems to want to like control all the government systems that's what i that's what i'm saying it's a valid comparison there's a scene where she's watching tv and they say like oh in chicago all the banks failed except for the one that was protected by this guy's suspiciously frequently referred to on the local news like antivirus software wall street expects to open tomorrow with its computers protected by greg microsystems latest security program aptly nicknamed the gatekeeper so that makes it seem like he's hijacking other systems to sell his own software and get richer but we never actually meet him so we don't know so any case i'm, I'm not complaining I, I i found this movie to be very entertaining uh and i, I wish i could have been uh snarkily riffing on it um sorry in, in, in we real could life have, we but... could have kept you on skype with us sorry that has never occurred to us actually to do that during this podcast no 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 it, it wouldn't have been the same as if we were irl which means in real life just in case you record. didn't know which apparently sandra bullock denizen of the internet did not that's like primordial <laughs> irl use right there that was and when cyber bob has his avatar on his doorbell i mean that's one of my like the best moments i would say that it's not really like a big picture kind of movie about um you know yeah it is like sort of an undefined nefarious evil about what it means when everything is digitized and there's no truth anymore like 
So maybe it's big picture philosophically, but we we shouldn't get in the weeds too much about like what's his name, the cybersecurity guy. It's more about uh, Sandra Bullock being lonely and disconnected and how like vulnerable that. Oh, yeah. Her. Shoot, guys. Sorry, we got to stop the podcast. I got to go to pizza.net and order a <laughs> large pizza. Well, that was that was something that I was saying um, both in my notes and also to Emily early on in the movie, though, is like I, I found myself I kept having to like remind myself that the the extent to which like internet living had like fully permeated her life was like probably unusual at this time like I kept having to remind myself that it was like weird it was probably weird to be a person who works remotely at home and orders a pizza online without calling a pizza guy and you know does all of these things that we saw her do initially to like introduce her character because like we all do that now all the time I mean like I told I always order food on my phone or on a website or whatever on an app and you know I like we all we all live our lives on the on the airplane where yeah. she's like getting her flight to Mexico All of that at stuff. the time that was like mind blowing technology like oh my god I picked my seat from home well what? and she and she did all that stuff she checked in and she confirmed her flight and everything online as opposed to like going through a mm-hmm. travel agent or calling the airline and so yeah no I kept having to like remind myself that this is unusual 1995 behavior because now I feel like it's very like it's super normal like when was the last time you printed out a boarding pass for a flight. <laughs> I'm trying to pull up here. I'm, I was looking up on my phone just reviews from the time of when the movie came out, uh, and so uh, I think it was in the Roger Ebert review. Give me one second here. Um, okay, this is for yeah, this is from Roger Ebert's review of the net from the Chicago Sun Times. It's a revealing detail that she uses Macs, which for me means she loves computers instead of merely working with them. She has an ultra-high-speed modem connection, I guess, since internet stuff pops up the moment she hits the return key. Her (laughs) online buddies are always on call for her, and the bad guys have programs that can not only hack into any computer, but do it instantly, without bothersome details like dial tones, logons, etc. Which... (laughs) It's so easy to forget. Like, that was such a pain. Like, using the internet in 1995 was such a hassle compared to now, where I literally clicked a button and downloaded this movie to, to you know, watch instantly as soon as we stopped recording the intro. So, uh, I, 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 I found all of the, these, this recent history really charming. <laughs> yeah, us, us too. And we were also, like, we did kept rem- keep remarking on things like, Wow, that email sent so fast for a dial-up connection. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you're going to take a little bit of reality and spin it into something futuristic and uh, exotic for most people, you might as well not make them wait for the, like... I don't know. That really kind of amped up the tension. I feel like in the scene where she's she's trying to email the floppy disk to the FBI, and from she puts the it in the thing center. upside down. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, well, no. And I, as I I said at the time, yeah, maybe we should have been recording while we were watching the movie because <laughs> we had so much like live commentary. But um, like. I, I I don't know. I almost found it implausible that she put the floppy disk in upside down because I was like, it's not. I literally, it's like it's not a USB plug, which I've never plugged in the right way up, like the first right. time. Like 
floppy disks look different on either side. Like one side has that like round hole in the bottom. She was like, really stressed. It was a really hectic moment. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she was. She was pretty stressed. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, I looked it up, and uh, they were filming that at an actual. It was an Apple computer convention, but it was that was the real Moscone Center for the record in San Francisco. I've been there many times for for, for work for so. computer conventions. That are called uh, for, computer conventions, uh, video video game conventions. Yeah, that I that I've attended there, and uh, I don't know why they would, other than for the purposes of plot exposition. I don't know why a company would need to have on the PA tell its employees in the office. By the way, all cathedral employees, this is a reminder that the cathedral booth at the Moscone Center is in the northwest corner of the convention hall. <laughs> I said that while we were watching, to which Emily replied, "Oh, it's Chekhov's booth." my question okay as long as we're gonna pick apart the reality here um yeah which i do with a great degree of reluctance you guys are like messing with like a childhood favorite that's now become an adulthood favorite uh is why would the main frame like the servers for the entire internet uh software company internet provider that she works for be at the convention i'm getting crickets back on this um yeah yeah we don't um, know either okay i know it was i didn't uh i didn't really think it out i would say maybe leave the like reality side that slice of this pizza <laughs> off to one side and say angela bennett slash andrew bullock handled herself exceptionally well under some very stressful circumstances especially for someone with crippling social anxiety like that's actually like kind of the driver of the whole movie is that she um doesn't get out enough doesn't doesn't see people enough but what about um, our villain? What about Jeremy Northam? He's so ugh, slimy, <laughs> and it's and you have to understand it's now, I, Eric. I don't know what your degree of Jeremy Northam like life exposure. I've is. never heard of this person. So, I've never seen him in anything. I've yeah, no idea who he so is. that's the, that's because we have we have some different movie backgrounds here. So like my my Jeremy Northam is you know like Mr. Knightley in that version of Emma from around this time. And he's, you know, uh, he's, isn't he in, um, uh, an ideal husband? I feel like he's in an ideal husband. The one that has like uh mini driver and other people on whose names I'm currently blanking. If he's not, then someone who looks and acts very much like him probably is. I mean, he's a generic, <laughs> like I love one of my favorite scenes actually in the movie. Now that I'm thinking about it is when they're on the boat and she's like, so who are you, Jack? And he's like, <laughs> Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. I'm Captain Goddamn America meets Albert Schweitzer. That's who I am. Isn't that what you always wanted? Yeah, it is. I remember. It was um, butch, beautiful, brilliant. Spends all day dashing into the fray, her fists flying. Now, sorry, I don't know any... Uh, organ cantatus was that it parroting back what she said in like her great moment of vulnerability in a chat room with these trolls uh what was it organ cantatas (laughs) 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 so but my question i guess is like he's a bad guy he's slimy he's generic does he stand up the way that she does obviously this movie launched her career um in a lot of ways uh, a part of it what about, I mean, he kind of, we don't, well, we don't know enough about Jeremy Northam's career to disparage it in any <laughs> way now, but that's, that's slightly telling. Did you find him to be like an effective 
villain, especially since one of the first things you guys complained about was that the overarching villain, the sort of Oz offstage guy, is really weak sauce. Uh, which I'm okay with. His name is Greg. Like whatever. Um. Yeah, it's like it's like Jeff Greg. It's it's no, like when he's people well, with two first names. What I was driving at though with Jeremy Northam um, when we first brought it up is like, you know, it, I guess Eric, if you don't necessarily know what the things are that I was just talking about, that you might not know. Like who he has no idea who the fuck Mr. Knightley and Emma is. His Jane Austen is. And it's, it's upsetting. if you if if you told but, me that the ideal husband was a fake British show, I would believe you. That sounds like an a ideal fake husband show is an Oscar made Wilde to make fun play. of English TV. <laughs> it's an Oscar Wilde play, okay. and it's making fun of English society. But oh, anyway, because okay. um, it's Oscar Wilde. But no, oh. um, the, my point though, and and Mr. Knightley is is the romantic lead of of a Jane Austen novel. So Jer- okay. Jeremy Northam was very much the mid to late nineties romantic lead in a Jane Austen novel like he did like that was that pretty much like that's that's like that is Jeremy Northam like that's pretty much except for this and Gosford Park and Gosford Park but I don't know I feel like he's also like a I don't remember who he is in Gosford Park because Gosford Park is such a complicated movie that every time I'm done watching it I forget everything I knew about it (laughs) but the point is that I think of him as like as like a handsome romantic lead so watching him in this was very like whoa perception shifting He's still basically the same character, though. He's just like the socio, like the psychopathic serial killer. Like he's like that that superficial romantic uh, Captain America meets Albert Schweitzer character already is like one hair away from being a psychopathic serial killer anyway, like because he's so superficial. So I sort of appreciate that they didn't do a lot of like depth into him. They were just like, he is, I mean, he has his little phone call. Like, he keeps trying to, what what is a little bit hammy, well, of a few things that are hammy, I will admit, in the movie is the way that every time they sort of get cat and mouse style close to each other, he like takes a second to like put his gun in his waistband and like taunt her a little bit more or like reveal some more of his plans. Uh, It almost feels like it's from a, I guess it is from a different era, but there's not that like, um, I think they say fuck once in the whole movie. Like in some ways it's, it's good, clean psychopathic fun from our villain. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. That is, that is true. I didn't even think about the fact that it's like, no wonder it was such a, a mainstay of, of your your parents' satellite TV subscription because they didn't have to bleep or edit anything. Yeah, there's yeah, no they, they, there's they, no sex scenes. There's just a nice L shaped blanket post coital <laughs> moment. Yeah, I could totally see how this movie. Like, I'm definitely not going to buy this movie on Blu-ray or anything, but I could totally see how if this movie were on TV all the time and you're just flipping through channels, I can totally get, like, you know, stop and be like, oh, that's that movie. Oh, okay, I'll watch 45 minutes of that movie. That, that, I like that movie, you know? You can drop um, the it's, needle. It's one of those... Sorry, go ahead. You can just drop the needle anywhere in the movie and be like... Exactly. Okay, all right. I mean, my favorite is the end, because I would prefer to see, like, <laughs> see her victorious than the first yeah. frustrating... Uh, there's there's more like moral cautionary advice in the movie than I remembered as a kid as well. Like I was definitely like, hmm, like talk to your neighbors, make sure. <laughs> yeah. You say, just well, in case your house gets stolen out from under you, it's really good to be able to back that up. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious to know like what your perception of the of the threat 
in this movie was when you were a kid watching it in the 90s because for us now like the whole time I and I mean I was as I said to you like I'm very grateful that lots of people like know what I look like and would be able to say that chick's not me but but also like our lives you know everything everything that made this whole villainy possible the way that they were able to hack in and change her records and change everything in her life and 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 even you know he was able to kind of like target her and seduce her because he knew all of her habits from like stalking her online and it's like all of that is even more true like like it would be so much easier now you know our, our like electronic medical records are so much more widespread than they were now and like our lives are so much more fully online i mean you wouldn't even have to do that complicated of a hack to to like if you wanted to like if you wanted to like target any of the three of us and like in the way that Jeremy Northam did like seduce us on vacation by like knowing our favorite drink and our favorite movies. Like honestly, (laughs) you just need like an Amazon password. Like it wouldn't be that hard. Like you'd know so much about us. Well, you'd need to look like Jeremy Northam. that that doesn't hurt. Which is but, why I think no, the, best, uh, is... Cybersecurity advi- the best cybersecurity advice in the world is don't trust British strangers, especially beautiful <laughs> ones. I'd say I mean, just fair. as a blanket rule, just, just, just you know, don't, don't trust them if they come up to you on the beach and but they I order mean... an onion drink for some reason. <laughs> Ew. But I mean, the, the threat. So the thing, what I'm getting at, though, is like the, the threat that she's facing in this movie, I feel like feels so, so real and present. Like this could happen. I feel like this could happen to any of us any day this idea of like having all of your records changed electronically or whatever how real did this feel like when you were a kid and like i don't know the internet was like less our our lives were less on the internet i can't actually speak to how i felt about it as a kid i would say now it seems like a little bit prophetic i mean identity theft is commonplace it's become normal and it's not necessarily like in some ways this movie's like all, like a lot more wholesome than actual identity theft in some ways because she's still an individual being targeted for a specific reason. She's not just like chattel on the internet giving it to them freely, which is what I feel like every time I swipe my card at a gas pump or um, search anything and I know that that information is going to be available either to the highest bidder or the best thief. So... I would say it does it does leave me with a rattly feeling but like I don't I don't know that tales of identity theft now have such heroics or um such satisfying resolution you know where she like puts in the red disc and he presses the you know careful <laughs> with the escape key and and everything's fixed now it's not like everything's fixed that happens to people it's happened to people I know my own social security number is like out there doing things without my bidding um my original social security number uh, and it follows you for the rest of your life. It's not like you get your house back necessarily. You don't get, um, you know, you don't get your life back. And Angela Bennett does. So it's kind of better in the movie. Except for all the people <laughs> who died. <laughs> yeah, but like a lot of them were evil. Like half the people who died were evil. Yeah, well, so that makes it okay. Yeah, well, no, okay. But there's the guy. So let's do a body count. There is the opening scene of the deputy secretary okay. of whatever uh, shooting yeah. himself. Then there is the... Um, the, the co-worker who flies his plane into mm-hmm. a silo and they seem to have like sort of a he's her friend she's sad um there's the guy who mugs her in mexico who jeremy that's the first person that we see jeremy northam kill so he's evil so there's two good one evil 
Well, is he evil? Is he evil though, or is okay, he just he's, like he's is bad. he just like a petty thief? And Jeremy Northam bribed him to steal this one lady's fair, purse. Fair. Like, yeah, I mean, evil is problematic. <laughs> we're getting too deep on this. I don't even is Jeremy Northam evil? Is it and, possible that we're taking the net too seriously? Devlin, no, no his way. Name is Devlin, <laughs> yes. Um, and then uh, who dies after that? Uh, we have the imposter who Dennis Jeremy Miller. Northam shoots. Yeah, we have the imposter. We have Dennis Miller. We have the fake right. FBI agent. So I think we're up to seven now. Um, and we may be forgetting someone, and that's on us for becoming desensitized to violence. But uh, a lot of people <laughs> of, you know, multivalent, unpredictable characters made of human stuff die in the movie. They're not all evil. Okay, you I know, forgot. I FBI forgot. Agent. I only. So, okay, fine. You win. I, I only, like, when I said that, I was thinking, like, Jeremy Northam and fake Angela on the evil side and Dennis Miller and the friend in the plane. And I was like, that's four that's four deaths and two of them were bad guys. Like, but no, you're right. There were a lot more deaths. I'm sorry. I You've seen this movie a few more times than I have. <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting, though, um, just the fact that uh, one of the other people who dies is the fake FBI agent, the one who pulls her out of out of jail. And um, it is interesting how the people being recognized or seen by people in this movie is, like, universally a bad thing. Like, Jeremy Northam knows way too much about her, and then the FBI agent knows way too much about her. And the only, like, really good people either have never seen her, like the guy who dies in the plane crash, or her mother who doesn't know who she is. There's sort of a, a a running motif of, like people just generally not knowing stuff about you is actually good. Well, um, except that part of the reason that she has no ability to to defend herself and to like to like prove her who she right. is is the fact that no one knows. and it's like if if she had literally one neighbor who like she knew and knew what she looked like, like they would be helpful in in like the yeah. house. And if like she had one co- but like literally the fact that no one knows who she is is like is what makes her such a good target for the evil, evil organization to begin with. So like, right. I don't know. That's the only reason that like the people who know who she is end up being, it's end up yeah. being the bad guys, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, now I feel like I'm blaming the victim. Cause actually my initial take was that that's the takeaway of like, it's on her for not having friends and not going out and not being receptive to people that want to spend time with her. Like whatever's happened to her in her life, which they sort of like skim that like her dad left or, She's had bad relationships. She had an affair with her therapist. Um, you get a little like it's not really a character driven kind of movie, but you get like a little taste of like there's her personality. And then there's also things that have happened to her that have I like driven her to self isolate to that degree. And I've always like even as a kid, like blamed her because I watched a lot of um thrillers and actually serial killer movies as a kid. And I don't watch them anymore because now I am the victim demographic like as a little girl <laughs> i would watch stuff like copycat or like um i'm blanking on the names of this like generic 90s movies where it's like a single woman in her apartment and a very bad man who kills women for fun is gonna come and get her and she's always like you know in her 30s like has the audacity not to be married and as a kid i was like great i can watch this like i'm afraid of gremlins and like alligators and boogeymen but i'm not afraid <laughs> of like crazy psychopathic middle-aged white men because i'm not usually what they're going for 
Um, yeah, you, you, you watch it going like, sucks to be that old lady, man, in her thirties. Yeah. I mean, well, this ancient. and I mean, God, you know, it's almost like it's almost like our like our pop culture is is trying to like punish us for being for being single women living alone or something, and and you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that would imagine if that were the case that that you know society doesn't want us to do that. I'm I you know Emily, I'm starting to believe that you're not delusional. <laughs> Thank you. Um I yeah, I feel validated and uh and I am Angela Bennett and that's my name. <laughs> so I um, I it's interesting. Yeah, you're right. I've internalized a lot of sexist bullshit because I blame Angela Bennett for being a shrew, when I should obviously blame the like evil global cyber terrorist organization that's <laughs> targeting her. But in the movie, you're like, oh, if you'd just been nicer to your neighbors, this wouldn't be happening to you. Or when her shrink actually says to her, if you were still with me, this wouldn't be happening. And that's like his tag to be like, all right, now I've comforted you. And you're like, what? How? Yeah. I feel like her assessment when she broke up with him that he references when they get when like he shows up like she called she called him like a selfish asshole or something and it's like wow. I mean yeah I feel like that was an accurate assessment yeah. of this ex. I it was I mean it's obviously good that she had him and that his records were confidential so that he could help her in a way that possibly others couldn't if she had known others but like yeah, he uh, Dennis Miller, uh, really good at playing assholes. Like he he definitely brought a brought a nice asshole energy in, into the into the movie there. <laughs> um, I just, I yeah, just because there weren't enough assholes with like Jeremy Northam seducing her and then trying to kill her, you know. Well, that was that was so when I was looking at these, these reviews from the time of when the movie came out. That was something that one of them, I think it was maybe in the San Francisco Chronicle, said. I, I can't remember at this point, but it was saying that like um, uh, that the they keep on bringing in all the these jerks for her to play off of because like she doesn't really have much of a character other than loner hacker unless she's like being you know jerked around by a good guy or a bad guy <laughs> um it, it's i i can't really i i don't know i i kind of i kind of feel like it might have been again i'm taking this this you know silly movie way too seriously but i feel it's like okay, it we all might, are I feel like it might have been more interesting in a way if she were a quote-unquote more regular person who wasn't like a, a super hacker who didn't have like, you know, the exact skills to get her out of the situation because maybe that would have forced some more character interactions that weren't noxious. I, I, I don't know. Um, On the one hand, it would have, but while we're doing like speculative potential other courses yeah. for this movie to take, like on the one hand, I feel like that's true but also like so then how how does that play out if she's like yeah. if she's just a regular person who falls into this and she's not like a cyber person like guess what she's gonna end up in the movie linked up with some sort of computer programmer type probably a dude who's then gonna be like her knight in shining armor who has yeah, to get exactly, her out of the situation with good. his superior hacking ability so like i like the fact that she's able to save herself totally totally it's that was a very exciting part. email scene so <laughs> it was it was so tense none of my emails are ever that like dramatic <laughs> they're usually just like the antagonist is is outlook not you know some kind of nefarious <laughs> organization it's just how much i dislike outlook 
<laughs> oh, one thing, Emily, that I wanted to ask you if you wrote down, because I know that I did. I wrote down in all caps, Daniel Shore. <laughs> I did. Emily doesn't know who Daniel Shore is. I was so excited about it being Daniel Shore, and he was like the TV anchor. Like, ah, it was crazy. I did. Holy shit, Daniel Shore is a TV newsman, all caps, right here. Yep. I, I did the exact same thing. Daniel Shore, all caps. I know. I'm looking at your notes. It's like seeing the movie through the eyes of a child. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what it's all caps. It just says, what the what? Plane crash. Was that some kind of secret facility? Was this unplottable? Holy shit, Daniel Shore. I wore out, <laughs> I wore out my membership renting it. It's such a dated phrase. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's the other thing that, that, that was kind of... Um, cute and also a little bit annoying about this movie is like this is clearly a movie made by people who really really love better movies like they they they, they there's the but they're you know, like fuck it it's 1995 we gotta do yeah. what we gotta do <laughs> like there, there's a lot of hitchcock there's a there's that weird bit about the cat and uh breakfast at tiffany's like have you seen breakfast at tiffany's i don't remember yeah yeah okay. i saw it pretty recently i saw it earlier this year um, I thought so. Um, no, this is reminding me though. As we're talking about this, you mentioned um, when you when we first started, Emily. You mentioned the um, the camera angles and the zooming in on the eyes and the mouths and the the, the shoots and stuff. This is something we were talking about uh, while we were watching it, Eric. Mm-hmm. That um, speaking of of referencing sort of other and better movies, um, this movie is clearly like a it's like a '90s cyber thriller. Like that's totally yeah. its genre. It doesn't belong in any other genre. However, so much of the like of like cinematography in certain moments was very noir like the way Mm. that like jeremy northam like walked through the door and it like zoomed way in on his on his (laughs) eyes and like the shadow cast across half of his face it was like okay well that was like that was like a shot out of the maltese falcon just kind of dropped into this movie that is otherwise like (laughs) enemy of the state like it's also kind of reminded me i maybe this is more of a, a plot thing but uh the man who knew too much the jimmy stewart movie where he gets wrapped up in the you know espionage you know um well the whole thing is very much is that i mean that's like that's one of like hitchcock's like major shticks is the like yeah the like regular person who ends up wrapped up in some crime north by northwest is the northwest, same way like, yeah i was gonna say like same innocent thing, yeah. innocent bystander gets just like sucked into some crazy plot is kind of what the, right. except she's as you mentioned like she's not a hundred percent like the innocent bystander because like this is actually her field is like some sort of cybersecurity program i guess work. what i'm asking is i i want alfred hitchcock to come back to life and remake this movie that's really all i want i, mean, I, have, a, I have a simple desire so this movie i i mean i don't want to necessarily go on record saying this movie could be remade but it seems <laughs> like there is the net 2.0 apparently we saw it on uh amazon it's not um, it was tagged as the sequel to the movie starring Sandra Bullock and then like none of the actors in it. Uh, I was going to say, I, I doubt Sandra names. Bullock actually showed up for that. No, no, but I could <laughs> see this movie being remade. Um, oh yeah. With great success. And in some ways, like it was less sexist than I remembered it being. Like it was like, I was less, my sensibilities were now as an adult who's like endured, like, another 15 years of like cat calling and people asking me if I'm the intern or whatever. Like I was less put off by this movie than I thought I might be. Well, I was wondering if, um, I don't know about, I don't know if this is something, a process that happens in your brain, but like, did you, have you, have you internalized other Sandra Bullock movies and like was kind of conflating the performance? Cause like the thing that you described about like, about like, you know, 
this like gorgeous Hollywood actress, Sandra Bullock, you know, playing this, you know, awkward, unappealing, you know, person who's unlucky with men. I mean, that's her totally her character, like in two weeks notice or in uh, Miss Congeniality, especially. So it's like, have you do you think it's just like a like a Sandra Bullock? I probably was conflating because actually and that was what I appreciated about this movie is they didn't pretend that she wasn't attractive or appealing. Like it was clearly like, here's a person with crippling social anxiety. Yeah. And like dealing with a parent with dementia. Like even though the character wasn't developed in a way that required a lot of acting because it was so action driven, you still had the pieces of a story that was plausible and relatable and could have depth if someone bothered to write it. Yeah, I I, I will maybe maybe I was too harsh earlier. There's definitely more to her character than I think other movies of this ilk would have bothered to give her. Like, I, I feel, I feel like there, there is, you know, there, there, there is credit where credits do uh, about like her, the, the premise of, of who she is and where she's coming from. Um, I just found a lot of the actual like action, the, the way the plot unfolded, a little bit like herky jerky, just a little bit like, okay, you know, uh, this thing is happening well, again, now. How did we get to San Francisco? Yeah, it was pretty glossed right over. <laughs> Which, yeah, thankfully, exactly. I mean, I was ready to get there and get to the next part of the story. Like, I feel like we were, <laughs> you know, they were just sparing us. Um, so I'm clearly just going to defend the net. Also, because I'm realizing <laughs> now that, like, that movie informed my fashion sensibilities for, like, an important part <laughs> of my teenage years. Like, the outfit that Dennis Miller brings her, which is, like, this crop top. I'm probably still searching for that outfit in thrift stores now that I think about it. Like the perfect, <laughs> like acid washed, high waisted mom jeans with a crop top cable knit sweater. Like that's basically like my pinnacle of like what I'm looking for in fashion. And I never realized it. Until, <laughs> yeah, until same, now. really. I, th- I think I can relate to that on never now. Two more references that, ju- that I wrote down here. One is they have a little, very, a very, a, a, an unusually subtle reference to the movie Freaks. Uh, when she's in the cyber chat room where, for some reason, uh, is text-to-speech on everyone's chats for whatever reason, when she's talking with Cyber Bob and, and the Yeah, but, like, not good text-to-speech. They're, like... No, they, really. They sound like bad, like, voice encryption software voices. Like, I would say, though, yeah. text-to-speech in 1995 was not... I mean, I was impressed by that, because I remember I had on our... That same year, probably, we had a big box pc with a text-to-speech and it's not what a cybersecurity expert might have but you had to read <laughs> it might actually be the first time that i read any great section of jane austen because you had to read it a novel for it to sort of start to recognize your voice so anyway i the text-to-speech part um to me what rep- represented a, a great achievement in technology knowing where, <laughs> where we were well, and I think that's uh, that's the thing is it's like it's easy it's easy to forget those little those little increments in technology. Like again, it's easy to forget that like that was like a remarkable thing for computers to do because we're now like what a dumb what a dumb way to do a chat room. Like, <laughs> but but anyway, in in that scene, the thing I was gonna say is in that scene, um, one of the the people in the chat room says we accept you, one of us, which which is from the the Google one Gobble us, scene. One of us. Just jumping in there. Uh, <laughs> Google gobble, Google gobble. Sorry. Yep, that one. <laughs> um, so that, that that's one thing. And the other thing I wrote down was um the carousel scene where she's running away from from Northam, ducking through the the carousel. 
That's from something. That's definitely ripped off from something, but I don't know what. I have seen a movie, possibly with that exact same carousel, where there's a chase scene running through the horses, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know what that's from. So, do you want us? Emily's looking it up right now. Found it. Yes. Oh, she found it. What, what is it? Uh, it's Strangers on a Train. It's Hitchcock. Hmm. It's like straight okay. up. It's straight up Hitchcock, which uh, that makes. I sense. feel like I haven't seen that. Maybe that's one of the ones I saw a long time ago, and I've I forgotten. I think you've about. seen Strangers on a Train because it's not on our list. Yeah. I wonder whatever happens, because I'm also thinking of fake Angela in the movie we just watched. And, like, I wonder where fake Angela is, like, right now. That's You mean the actress who played her? I mean, yeah. I think the, if the character's dead, she was shot. <laughs> well, then that's a more existential question. No, like, did fake Angela <laughs> go on to other things? I, she's, pro- she's, to me, my the least satisfying. Like, even, like, the firefighter yeah. who has the line, it's like, it's all just firefighters around here, ma'am. Like... Nope, we didn't see a brunette. Like, even the one-liner um, extras were more satisfying to me than fake Angela. So, I don't know. Sorry, fake Angela, if you're listening. I'm looking up where <laughs> she is right now. Impo- she's just listed as imposter. <laughs> and her name is Wendy Gazelle. She's known for The Net, Hot Pursuit, and Triumph of the Spirit. Mm. She has 37 <laughs> IMDb credits. Most of them are like one episode of various serial TV shows. Um, so that's that's all that I had. Written yeah, I think down. We, I, I think at you. this point we've pretty much run out of our our conversation. Uh, well, uh, Emily, thank you for bringing the net to our to our awareness. I think this is a movie I totally would have missed if not for this podcast, and I'm I'm glad I saw it. I, me, like me I said. too. Although, and again, I I feel. I feel like I want to like go like meet more people and reaffirm my in-person friendships just in case anyone tries <laughs> to change my identity online. Well, I'm glad you guys had a chance to see this movie. I'm a little concerned that um, I like like it too much at this point. I feel a bit ensnared. And uh, I'm probably going to go back to watching it like once a week, like I did when I, when I was 10. So uh, it's all in all been... Ah, been fun, but yeah, I am fearful of being a lonely shrew whose identity gets stolen um, by a handsome man playing on my vulnerabilities as well, Emily. So we're going to watch out for that, and I got you, girl. We're going to be okay. Yeah, you too. It's good that we... So we we work actually similar to Angela and her coworkers. We actually... We work together, but in different offices. Like, I I work in Savannah, and she works in Atlanta, so despite lots of, of online interaction for the whole time that we've both worked there, we actually only very recently just met face to face. So we, yeah, no, it's, it's very, that, it's very comforting that that's finally happened. Having just seen the so dangers now you have of not security. knowing what your coworkers look like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And if someone decides to steal your identity um, and make you a criminal and replace you with an imposter, they're going to have to pay me a lot of money to go along with it. Otherwise I got your back. <laughs> I think it's time to stop talking about the net, y'all. I think we've, we've done our duty. We have done our duty big time. Thank you for having me on as your guest geek. It has been my pleasure. Thanks for being our guest geek. Uh, so before we go, um, Emily C., where can people find you either online or on the radio or wherever? Uh, I'm at Emily Curitan. Uh, that's E-M-I-L-Y-C-U-R-E-T-O-N. But I actually don't like Twitter that much. You can also... Find me on Instagram at mjocure. And Emily J, how about you? Uh, I, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all over the place at HeyHeyESJ. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. 
drinking onion martinis for some reason. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.